Hey friends, welcome to the City Hope Podcast. My name is Bobby Thompson and I have the privilege of serving as a lead pastor. I pray that today's message would inspire you, it would encourage you, and it would also challenge you in your walk with Christ. Enjoy today's sermon. Amen. Well, good morning, City Hope. Good to see everybody. My name is Greg Gibson. It's such a joy to be with you all this morning. Um, I love your pastor. Thank you for allowing me to, to preach God's word here. By way of introduction this morning, uh, I want to tell you a little bit about myself. So I'm a husband, I'm a father, I'm a pastor, I'm a church planter, and a fifth grade girls basketball coach. And so I've been coaching. Maybe we've got some, some, some you know, coaches in the room, but I've been coaching my daughter's basketball team for the last two seasons. And we are the two-time defending Knoxville City Elementary School. You, you can clap for that. Two-time defending. Okay, thank you. Thank you. you. You do have permission to talk back. But I say this with, with all humility. My fifth grade girls crush people. And, and last season, we lost our first two games, or I guess this season. And it's the same team. And, and it, it was kind of one of those teams like where we're, we're even on paper and we're even when we walk into the gym. And they beat us both times, offensive, uh, you know, uh, kind of art form kind of game, uh, eight to six the first game, I think, and then like nine to seven the second game. I mean, you really have to love basketball to, to appreciate fifth grade girls basketball. And, uh, and so we get to the tournament this year. And, and, and I don't know if you've been around uh, elementary school parents lately, but they take their kids' sports way too seriously. And it might be like the first ouch this morning, right? Like, but I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm the coach. I give all this volunteer time, right? Because no, no Joe Schmo is just going to coach my daughter, right? Like, I'm going to coach my kids' teams. And so we get to the championship game and, and, uh, and all the dads are texting me that week, like, hey, what are we going to do to prepare? Like, how much gym time we got? Are you ready for their, you know, one through one full court press? And I'm like, hold on, man. And, and so we, we get to the game, and we end up winning the game 10 to 8, all right? And, uh, yeah, uh, come on now. Thank you. I need that. You don't know how much I need that, all right? And, uh, and, and so I, get, I pull up at the gym, and, and there's like, the parking lot's full, I'm like, am I at the wrong place? This is a fifth grade girls basketball game. But in the South, it's like grandparents are there, aunt and uncles are there, cousins are there, like first and second, third, you know, kind of removed cousins are there, all to watch basketball. Well, after the game, I'm driving home, and one of the dads calls me. And, and he grew up in L.A., went to Staples Center, uh, seen LeBron, you know, has, has been all over the world watching basketball, seen Jordan at, at uh, the, you know, in Chicago, and he's like, Greg, I've seen basketball my whole life. That was the most intense game I have ever seen. And I'm like, I know, man. You know, like we're on this like adrenaline high from fifth grade girls basketball. And, uh, and I don't know about you, but when I think about life and I think about the titles that we carry throughout life, whether they're volunteer titles or we give so much attention to, or we give our life to, 
husband, dad, pastor, church planner, fifth grade girls, basketball coach. For you, it might be other titles. It might be wife, mom, doctor, business owner, teacher, some other title. But we all have two titles that we can't get away from, and it's male and and female, which have been given to us. We can't escape those by God himself. And you have one of those titles, and I have one of those titles. And these titles, regardless of what culture tells us, or regardless of how culture's coming in and trying to confuse us, these titles have been given to us by the creator of those titles, God himself. And we have been really in a series the last three weeks, I guess this is the third week fooling around, week one, healthy relationships, week two, healthy parenting, healthy home, and we're going back to, to look at scripture in Genesis 1. And, and lots of kind of Bible drill, crick in your neck kind of sermon, because you're going to be looking down a lot, um, about the titles of man and woman. And I'm going to use these terms, manhood and womanhood. And we're going to ask this question, really, what does it mean to be a healthy human? What does it mean to have the Lordship of Christ in our life in such a way where we're living by the titles that God gives us, how He defines them, and then what He means for our flourishing. So again, different texts, but we're going to be in Genesis chapter 1 and uh, verse 26 and 27. And I want to invite you to stand with me where you're at out of the, the reverence for the reading of God's Word this morning. Moses writes in Genesis 1, he says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image and after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heaven and over the livestock and over the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image, and in the image of God he created him Male and female, he created them. Let's pray together. Father, we need your help this morning as we talk about what it means to be made in your image as male and female. And would our hearts, uh, because of your word, allow us to love your son Jesus more because of the next moments we spend together. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. You guys can be seated. So we're going to ask this question, what does it mean to be a healthy human? And I've got five points for us this morning for you to consider. And point one is this, men and women are both created in what? The image of God. We just read this together in Genesis chapter 1. Then God said, let who? Us. Make man in who? Our image. And who is God referring to here when he says us, when he says our He is referring, yes, we know this to himself. Already in Genesis 1, we have evidence of this trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, one God in three persons. And this triune God, according to the Bible, creates us in his image. So quick uh, theology session, just for for a moment on the trinity. Anybody a world-class biblical scholar in the room? Two hands in the air? No? Okay, I, uh, like I asked one time, and there was a, like a 10-year-old kid on the second row, and 
And I was like, really, biblical scholar? And he's like, oh, I thought you said bacon and sausage. I was like, oh, okay, we're good. Whew. So, let's talk about the Trinity just for a moment. One God expressed in three persons. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Each person of the Trinity has a role they intrinsically play. And there's lots of roles that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have. But for simplicity's sake, when we talk about the, the equalness of the essence of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and the difference of their roles, let's talk about them this way. The Father does what? He creates. The Son saves. And the Holy Spirit does what? For our purposes, we're going to say He counsels. He's our mighty counselor. The Father creates. The Son saves. The Holy Spirit counsels. Each person in this trinity completely equal, but different roles. So this is, by all means, the opposite of the LeBron James, Michael Jordan conversation, right? Not equals. MJ will always and forever be the greatest of all time. And okay, thank you. Sermon over, okay? But the Trinity, all equal, all different in their role, and we humans get to be created in His image. And so think about a mirror with me. We're created in a way that we get to reflect God back to God. We're created in such a way that we get to reflect God to other people or wherever the steps of our feet go or the works of our hands find ourselves or the thoughts of our mind go out into the world. It is a reflection of God back into even what He created. God is a creator. We can create. God is kind. We can be kind unless we're driving. I don't know what, what happens there. God communicates. We communicate. God is in community. We were created for what? Community. It is not good for man to be alone. There are many other ways that we're created in His image after His likeness to reflect God back to God and reflect God back to God's creation. But this God who is equal with different roles, and I think the easiest way to understand this doctrine of the Imago Dei or the image of God is to think about the children we have. I have two kids. One like fell out of my nose, spinning image of me, same temperament, same personality. I'm still trying to figure out where the second kid came from, right? Like, of course, the first one reflects me. The second kid reflects his mama in so much greater ways than he reflects me. But they reflect our image. They reflect our likeness. Friends, you were created in the image of God. You were created after His likeness. There is nothing about you. There is nothing about you that is accidentally created. You were created to reflect His goodness, His glory, His kindness, His love, everything about who God is, back to God and then back to God's creation. In his likeness for a wonderful, tremendous, joy-filled purpose. Male or female created in God's image for God's glory. Point number two. Manhood and womanhood then have a specific design. If we are created male and female, then we have a specific design. If we look back at Genesis chapter 1, 
the text we just read, verse 30, or 27, says, So God created man in his own image, in the image of God he created him, what? Male and female. He created them. So this question I have then is, is what does it mean to be created as male and female here as we begin to explore God's design for maleness and femaleness? Or is this simply a biological difference? Or are, are there other differences as well in how we begin to reflect God's glory back to God and God's glory back to God's creation? And as you begin to read Scripture, you begin to see created differences in men and women. As you go out into the world, you begin to see created differences of men and women. But I want to pause here, and I want to say that there is a very unique similarity about women and men the gospel is that the things about following Jesus are for both men and women. Maturity in Christ, a life for Christ, the fruits of the Spirit, kindness, patience, gentleness, those are not manly things or womanly things. They are godly things. They are things that God gives us in Scripture and displayed in us because of the Holy Spirit's working in us that then we get to live out, not because we are either a man or woman, right? It's because we are Jesus followers. Amen? That's it. That's the first reason. So this pursuit of godliness, not a manhood thing, not a womanhood thing, Christian thing, Jesus follower thing. And when you put manhood and womanhood side by side, I love what one theologian says. He says, to live a life of faith, whether a man or a woman, is to live in a state of relaxed desperation. That we are totally trusting in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that, that God is in control of all things. But there is an urgency to know Him more. There's an urgency to let others know Him more. There's an urgency to reflect His glory back into the world. Maybe you've read Galatians chapter 3, verse 28, which says there's neither Jew nor Greek or slave nor free. There's no male or female for you're all what? You're one in Christ Jesus. Men and women, one in Christ. And if we're created in the image of God, both being one in Christ, and, and the question here is are we to assume that men and women then, like the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, have different roles as well, different responsibilities also. So, so don't tune out on this. I'm going to read a bunch of scripture, okay? This is the most important part, really. And if you're taking notes, you can write them down and go back to them. Here's, here's, here's several about the differences of men and women. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, we'll start there. The Lord God took the man, he put him in the Garden of Eden to work it, to take care of it. This Hebrew word for work it is protector or keeper. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 28 says in this way, Husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. John chapter 16 verse 11 says when a woman is giving birth she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she delivered the baby, when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. Titus chapter 2 verse 4 says, Older women 
are to each what is good. And so train the young women to love their husbands and children, be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind to their husbands and the word so that the word of God may not be reviled. Has anybody read the book of Ruth lately? Yeah? Okay. Well, Ruth only has this posture of caring and nurturing towards Naomi. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5, Timothy, who's been discipled by the, the kind of the aggressive bulldog ultimate fighter personality of the Apostle Paul, talks about the overwhelming nurturing and care that he received from his mother and grandmother. Mary was chosen by God the Father to give birth to and nurture Jesus. Right? And I, I think in this way, what I'm trying to show you is that there's, there's differences and there's roles and there's responsibilities that are happening in Scripture. And, 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 and if we just take nurturing, for instance, it's not this sappy softness that's only for women. But it, but it really is this amazing pursuit of protection and godliness to nurture those who have been entrusted to us, and I want you to see this, with full, the full hope of God and zero fear of man. And these roles that we step into as, as men and women, and we talk about manhood and womanhood, and there are so many other scriptures that I could bring your attention to, to this morning, but when I think about a, a sports team even, or a team, a family team, or a team that's at work, right, a church planting team, um, whatever it might be, you probably have been a part of really good teams, and you've probably been a part of really terrible teams. And maybe some of you even can rearview mirror in this moment and say, I, I have been a part of terrible teams. And, you know, self-honesty time, I have also led terrible teams because I have been a leader to those teams. There's lots of things when it comes to team dynamics that we can think about, but I think the best teams are not the best teams because they have the best players, but because everyone understands and works in his or her defined and specific role. And I don't think I can argue roles. Lean in here. I don't think I can argue roles from Scripture. Like, Women do all the cleaning and men do all the grilling. <laughs> or women stay at home and, ma, or, or, you know, and, and men work. Here, here's what I do think Scripture teaches. I think those, those things are created over time in culture. But I think Scripture teaches a design, a better design for manhood and womanhood that is founded in first the image of God in how he's designed male and female. And then the, the roles and responsibilities that he's given to us outside of checklists. So, for instance, my father-in-law loves to vacuum. Like, it, it's just like this weird thing we all make fun of him for, behind his back, of course. But, like, when my kids were little, and we would go to their house, and he would just follow them around, like, with a vacuum. And it used to drive me crazy until I learned, like, that's his love language, he would rather, if I, draw, if I draw his name for Christmas, and, and he like, and I buy him like a little small bottle of Febreze, he opens it with tears in his eyes, you know? And I just know, like George Riddle, love, my father-in-law, loves to clean. That has no effect 
on his manliness. It has no effect on the manhood that he displays, anchored in the image of God in him. And I think in the same way, and I want you to, to see this here, when we see the Father lead in the way the Father leads, the Son lead in the way that the Son leads, and then the Holy Spirit lead in the way that the Holy Spirit leads, and then we as men and women reflect the image of God and how the, how the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit created us to reflect this image, then we as men and women get to step into our manly roles or step into our womanhood roles in a specific way where we are leading how God taught us and desires for us as men, as women to lead. And so I want to just pause for a moment and suggest a framework that's going to be on your screen. And this is not gospel. This is my best attempt to look at scripture and what God is doing in what he calls men and women to do and how he calls us to lead in our designed roles, how men can do this and how women can do this. But I'll go ahead and talk about women first. You can put them all on the screen. So I'm going to say this. This is going to be a lot of alliteration and you're welcome. So creating, women lead by creating, caring, and contributing. And we're going to talk about the difference between men and women in just a moment. But I'll say some brief things about each point here. I think women are created by God to create life. And this is kind of where the, the life aspect starts, right, of the home. Life, love, legacy, regardless of whether a woman um, has children in her life or not. There is an aspect that God gives to Eve in Genesis chapter 2 with the title, The Mother of All Living Things. But you're creating this life, love, and legacy. Then this caring for is this, this kind of synonym for helper or nurturer. But it's this fierce protection of what God has entrusted to you. Right? Again, with full hope in God and zero fear of man. This caring for this this home, this uh, child, this marriage, whatever, this friendship, this relationship, whatever it might be, where you're kind of stepping into this head, heart, hands development. I think when we think of discipleship and development, it's here, right? What do you know about the Bible? How long have you been a Christian? But I'm going to argue that it's not just head knowledge, it starts here, but it's heart knowledge, how we are, what we are motivated by comes out in the works of our hands, and then contributing to service, safety, and stability. So the service and sacrificial uh, ethos, right, of the home. Um, how you are contributing to the safety of those around you. And then even bringing in stability in who you are. I want to, I want to go to, to the, uh, the slide where men lead. And I want you to see a mirror and parallel here. But also some differences. You can go ahead and put them all on the screen. So women lead, or men lead here, I think, by protecting, pastoring, and providing. And you're going to see, this. I think, the same parenthetical for each one. Life, love, legacy, head, heart, hands, service, safety, and stability. I think it's interesting when you think about how men and women lead side by side. Women lead by creating life, love, and legacy. Men lead by protecting this life love and legacy. Women lead by caring or nurturing both head, heart, and hands. Men lead by pastoring this head, heart, and hands. Women lead by contributing to the service, safety, and stability of those that God brings into their life. Men lead by providing for both service, safety, and stability. And I'm not using provision here financially. 
I'm using provision here by asking the men in the room, are you safe men? Like, do people feel safe around you that aren't just your children? Do, do, when you walk into a room, is there more stability because you're there? Kind of questions, right? What, what kind of gravitas do you carry yourself with and how you reflect God's glory back into God's creation? That's the kind of provision that I'm, I'm talking about here. And I think when you pursue God's design for manhood and womanhood this way, men leading in this way, women leading in this way, we kind of step into this space of mutual submission, don't we? Ephesians chapter 5, this way that we're submitting to one another's roles out of love in the same way that God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit submits to himself in his roles out of love, we are reflecting back this to God, not only to get God more glory for himself, but back into the world as well. So my questions for you this morning, men and women, is how are you self-assessing right now? Because when I, when I put a framework like this up, you can either kind of like, yeah, that's antiquated, or you could actually sit under the weight of it. And say, how does the gospel motivate myself to step into these spaces, these, these roles as a man, as a man, or as a woman? Men leading by pastoring, protecting, and providing. Women leading by creating, caring, and contributing. Point number three, manhood and womanhood, then we know this, are broken by what? Broken by sin. So we know we are creating the image of God that manhood and womanhood have a specific design, but sin is a reality both in our world and in our lives. And this impacts and affects how we live and then step into these titles. We know as followers of Jesus that sin is anything that separates us from God. Sin has been defined as missing the mark of perfection. Romans chapter 3, verse 23, for all have what? Sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans chapter 3, verse 10, it is written, no one is righteous, no, not one. And again, sin has led to crazy amounts of brokenness in our world. I don't have to convince you of this. We can look in the mirror and see brokenness, but we can step out in the world and see how God has saved us out of a world of brokenness. It looks like addiction and depression and loneliness and discouragement and shame. And it looks like manhood and womanhood defined by culture in different ways. And there's confusion attached to all of this. We don't have to look far for how to try and fix this sin problem. We try to alleviate it with pain or to numb ourselves in different ways. We look for relationships, romantic or otherwise, to fulfill us, strive to be better. Whatever it might be, we attempt to fix our brokenness in so many different ways. But Romans chapter 6 verse 23 reminds us that sin is not just sin's problem, but it leads where? For, for the wages of sin is, is death. But the free gift of God is life in Christ Jesus. Here's, here's some statistics. Let's just, keep, let's just sit in the weight of this a little bit longer. Here's some statistics about the brokenness of just America. In the United States alone, about 40% of children live in a single parent home. 
The United States of America, 40% of children, that's the highest population that we have. I don't, I, I, I read that and I don't understand it. What's happening here? 40% of those have no contact with their fathers. Studies show that an estimated 20 million people in America are in some kind of addiction. Studies show that 70% of Americans are on prescription drugs. One-third of Internet searches, studies show, are for things we shouldn't be searching for. Over 30% of people have confessed to experiencing, just in America, some kind of abuse in their life. And I would argue that's probably more than 30%. Studies also show that over 50% of all marriages in America end in divorce. And I could go on and on and on with the proof of just how broken our world is or our country is or just how broken manhood and womanhood are. But those statistics that I just read, that is the, the effect or the impact of, right, or the lag goal of confusion when it comes to the question, what does it mean to be a man first? And then what does it mean to be a woman first? Because if we can't answer those questions and display our roles in how we live and anchor it in a truth that's not subjective, that's not defined by some institution, but it's created and defined by God himself revealed in Scripture, then we begin to see all those statistics at play and more. When men and women don't step into the roles that God has called them, designed for them to step into. 40% of children live in a single parent home. No dads for 40% of those. 20 million people in addictions. 70% of Americans prescription drugs. Third of our internet searches just in America. Things we shouldn't be searching for. 30% have confessed to, to abuse. 50% of marriages are ending in divorce. Are you kidding me right now? We have the greatest message in the history of the world, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it has been given to us freely by the life, ministry, death, and resurrection of Jesus, revealed to us here in actually how to live in a life, not just live because of what is the, the Bible says as indicative imperative, but live according to our flourishing. Live according to what and how God has created us to live. We've abdicated our roles. We confused our roles. We've tried to blend men and women together. And it all falls outside of God's intended design. But, friends, let's pause for a second. There is good news. Amen? Let's just be reminded of that. And that's point four. Manhood and womanhood are redeemed in what? The gospel. We know this. We've been given the gospel. You could probably say this with me. John 3.16 says what? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God has proven his love for us. And he has not left us in our mess. He hasn't left us in our brokenness. He hasn't left us in a way to kind of figure out manhood over here or figure out womanhood over here. He made one way to pay for our brokenness and the penalty of sin and brokenness together, which is his son sacrificed for us. 
Jesus never sinned, the only perfect person in the history of the world. He died the death that we deserve to die, taking the penalty for our sins on the cross. God's wrath, which should have been on sin and sinners like me and you, actually is subverted to his son Jesus. And in that moment, God's wrath is satisfied. It is satisfied. And even though he did not deserve to die, Jesus willingly chose to pay the price for us. Romans 5.8, God shows his love for us, and while we were still sinners, Christ, what? Died for us. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, for by grace you've been saved through faith, not your own doing. Gift, this is a gift of God. But he didn't stay dead. He rose from death, conquering sin and conquering death. And this is the only place that I know to go for hope. All right, this is the only place. Like, this is the place that, that we, should, we should probably be, like, shouting amens. Like, I, don't, I don't really know what other message to give you for brokenness than the gospel. I don't, I don't know what anecdote you need other than the gospel. It is only what Christ has done. And, and see this, it's, it's not just his, his death and resurrection, but the beauty of the gospel is that now his righteousness, this is just a church term of his perfection, is now applied to me and you. So when the Father sees us, he doesn't see us in our sin or our brokenness or our attempts to redefine manhood or womanhood he, in, in just the mess of our lives. He sees us how? He sees us the same way he sees Jesus in, 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 in this perfect state of a, adopted son and daughter. One theologian calls us the great exchange, like Christ takes our sin and gives us his righteousness. And if this gospel motivates our hearts and how we step into these types of roles in manhood and womanhood, then we should be stepping into these roles with and I say this with intentionality, aggressiveness. Instead of pastoring our homes, we find ourselves distant spiritually. Instead of providing, we, we become lazy. Instead of protecting, we will allow harm or even cause harm. But when we step into these kind of roles, the gospel begins to change everything about us. And I want to bring you to, to point five here is that we flourish as we recover and pursue this design. Like this is the assurance we have in Jesus that we are not left in our sin, but we are created to reflect God's image. We are not left in our brokenness, but we're to recover and pursue God's design after we receive the gospel. And I want to bring your attention to this framework as we close because basically the five points I gave you are just the gospel message. So if you think about this, God's design for parenting, marriage, sex, money, manhood, womanhood, God has designed for it. But what happens when we leave God's design? We sin, and sin leads to 50% of marriages ending divorce, right? Third of internet searches we shouldn't be searching for all the, the, the single parent homes, whatever it might be. And then we're trying to find our way out of that brokenness. Money, power, pleasure, you know, more and more net worth. Build, 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 build. Numb, numb, numb with healthy distraction. 
be busy with good things so we don't have to deal with real things. That's the kind of brokenness that the world is experiencing. But we know the antidote to our brokenness is what we talked about just a minute ago, to repent and believe in the gospel. That's the only way we can recover and pursue this design for manhood and womanhood. And so this is not just a framework to understand manhood and womanhood. You can, you can understand anything with this framework. Put whatever you want in God's design for, fill in the blank. And then watch God blow your mind for how he's created a design for pretty much everything. And so this, Christians, is for you today as we close. What is motivating you as you step into manhood and womanhood? Not what the culture says, but what the Bible says. And if you're not a Christian here today, this morning, this is also the gospel for you in this moment. First step of your journey with Jesus is to understand that you are a sinner who's in brokenness and you're trying to find your way out of brokenness with worldly things. My question for you is, have you believed in Christ's work for you, repented of sin, and now are you recovering and pursuing God's design? Because listen, at the end of our lives, we're all going to have titles that we carry. Husband, dad, pastor, fifth grade girls, basketball coach, whatever, man. Wife, mom, business leader, doctor, male, female, defined by God, son, daughter, yes. But do we have the titles saved, forgiven, redeemed? Let's pray together. Father, we are thankful for the gospel this morning. As we think about your great work for us, as we think about the beauty of the cross, the scandal of the cross, in this moment, Father, I pray that you would, you would convict our hearts, that you would remind us that there is an antidote to this great sin problem. It is the gospel that we can flourish as moms and dads and we can flourish as husbands and wives and our home can flourish, our finances can flourish, our sex life can flourish. Whatever it is that, that we give the works of our hands to and in life and in business and uh, whatever it might be, education, health care, all that can flourish because first, we are in a right relationship with you and we understand how you've designed us to live. And so God, would you motivate our hearts this morning? Not with guilt, not with fear, not with behavior modification, but truly with the gospel of grace. Would you remind us of the greatness of our King? We pray this in his name. Amen. Thanks again for tuning in with us today. We would love to connect with you, and the best way to do that is through social media or go straight to our website. God bless you, and have a wonderful day.